acci.org.au, acci.org.au, acci.org.au. If God is calling you to the mission field, then you can scroll down our our page there and you can click on a link that will give you some information and uh, perhaps open some doors for you. So that would would be fantastic. It's great to be with you again. And uh, last time I was here, uh, you still had the same picture as last time I was here. I had that shirt. It was a shirt I was wearing, right? So uh, I'm pleased you didn't have this shirt on me up there today because I do own more than two shirts. And uh, I just made a mental note when I come to Gladstone, don't bring that shirt with me again, all right? Because I just thought, thought, well, maybe take up an offering, buy him a new shirt or something, eh? (laughs) Fantastic. I don't know whether any of you have have noticed that there's a lot of anger, angst. Um, People seem ready to jump down your throat and throttle you if uh, you happen to be on the other side of an argument. There's a lot of fractiousness uh, in and around and going on. And I'm not talking about um, question time in Parliament House last week. I'm, I'm not talking about the, the latest fracas on, uh, on social media or on Twitter or something. Um, I'm actually talking about a church, uh, a lot of fractious Uh, anger and disagreement going on in a church that existed 2,000 years ago. Not much has changed, eh? And and Paul offers a solution to this fractured community that we're going to have a look at in a moment. I'm going to invite you to to, um, focus your attention in on this because I think it's going to be incredibly helpful for you if you ever find yourself happen to living ha- happen to be living in a fractious time. If you ever find yourself uh, in, involved in a set of circumstances where there is anything but unity and uh, a sense of we're all, we are all in this together, uh, apparently. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Paul's solution to this, I think, is going to blow your mind. I, I, I wouldn't mind suggesting to you that nobody in this room will guess what Paul's solution to this lack of unity is. We're going to go there. We're going to find it. And I trust this morning that you'll be um, changed as a result of the experience that we're going to have together over the next 30 minutes as we follow Paul's line of thought from Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to just look at eight verses there, the first eight verses. Starting from verse 1, he says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if there's any comfort from His love, if there's any common sharing in the Spirit, if there's any tenderness and compassion, if there's any, (laughs) then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. So what's going on here? I mean, you can kind of tell by his speech what he's driving at. There are key figures in this church that have some sharp disagreements. There is a conflict going on even in the life of this great church at Philippi. The church of joy, however... There is this under, uh, undermining conflict that Paul here is addressing. And, and it, doesn't it amaze you how um, bonds that should bring us together 
so often drive us apart. I mean, what is more powerful than the bond of, of common faith? And yet, how many know that you've seen this? I'm sure people of common faith, right? People who, who ascribe to the name of Jesus Christ, and yet, yet they are driven apart by their disagreements and their anger. And even in families, God forbid. I don't know how many of you have seen this in your family, uh, a fracturedness in your family. How far do I have to go in your family before I find it? Is it just amongst the siblings? Have I got to go a little bit further into the in-laws or the, the cousins? Uh, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't mind suggesting that in most families, the, the power that should bring us together, the common blood, the common identity, ends up driving us apart. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you want to sharpen your ear, you're going to listen to what Paul has got to say next. He says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. He's getting now into what causes the fighting, right? To where the fracturedness is coming from. And he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Now, the word vain conceit is very interesting. The two words, vain conceit in the Greek, are kenosis doxa. Do nothing with kenosis doxa, all right? So stop your kenosis doxering now. Kenosis, uh, let me explain those words to you. Kenosis is empty, right? In fact, this passage is called the kenosis of Christ, the emptying of Christ. We're about to get to that in a moment. And doxa means glory. So what he's saying is, do nothing out of empty glory. Isn't that interesting? Right? So, so don't be motivated. Don't move forward out of empty glory. What, what, what is that meaning? He's meaning that you are starved or that these people or that we. Look, this is the human condition. Let's just say us. <laughs> that there is a starving of validation, a feeling of I don't matter. I lack approval here, right? So somehow I've got to fight for it. Somehow I've got to, I've got to fill up my empty tank of glory, this empty tank, this inner sense of value. Um, Paul is, is, is putting these things in contrast. He's saying rather than having fights, right, be filled with glory. You see what he's saying here? He's saying having unity is opposed to being empty of glory. Therefore, to be with unity is to be filled with glory. Let me explain why I think he contrasts these two interesting concepts. In this day and age in which we live, can I suggest to you that we have a, an excess of success? <laughs> it's all about success winning right you got to win we want to win and because we have to win to fill up the empty glory everything becomes a, a, a zero-sum game <laughs> everything's a matter of i've got to win in this situation so i can fill my glory tank and sometimes we even view others success Sometimes we view others winning and we think to ourselves, oh man, I wish I could win like that. <laughs> I wish I had that success. I, I, I wish I had that glory. 
And so we can pursue it. We can pursue that glory or its second cousin money uh, in the hope that that success, that finance will fill my empty glory. And folks, this wasn't the situation just for people 2,000 years ago. And so in the pursuit for this this filling up our tank of glory, what's happened is success has become like the new drug, right? Uh, it's kind of like, you know, the, the, the addict, the, the first high they get, they think, oh, wow, I'm, this makes me feel so powerful. Or the first time I get drunk or whatever, you know, I, I just feel like, 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 like such, a, such a man or such a woman or whatever. Uh, I, I feel so full of glory. I've got to have that again. Uh, and so they have it again. And, and unfortunately, over time, the law of diminished return kicks in. You know what I'm saying, right? You've got to have more of the substance to get that same feeling and you think this is filling your tank, but what it's actually doing is draining what little glory there was in there. And it's like success is now that. I, I've got to get success. I've got to win. And I get a little bit of winning. I get a little bit of success. And I feel so powerful. I feel so good. But I've got to get more success. And then when I get more success or I get more money, after a while, I've got to get more of the same to feel that same sense of value. And then over time, of course, the emptiness increases and the levels that I'm requiring become incredibly destructive to relationships. They become incredibly destructive to my health. They become incredibly destructive to my community. You see, the one thing that the human spirit longs for, probably more than anything else, is attention. I, I, wanna, I, I want people to notice I'm here. Hello. I, I'm a human being. I'm here. I, I want people to notice me. In fact, C.S. Lewis defines hell <laughs> not, as, not as a fire, C.S. Lewis defines hell as being eternally and utterly ignored. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Nobody sees me. Nobody knows me. Nobody hears me. And, and, and sometimes there are, there are people out there who think, well, you know, the, the answer to, um, to drug addicts, right, or the answer to criminals, or the answer to people who are, you know, socially inept, maybe, is you need more self-esteem. You don't feel good about yourself. Now, there is some truth in this, right? And Christians kind of really don't know where we, where we, we, we land here. You know, do I, well, yes, self-esteem, people need to feel good about themselves, but then do you finish up full of pride? Then what, what is to go with this? How does this work? And, uh, you know, there's been a great song in the past, you know, the greatest love of all is to love yourself. And people who don't love themselves and do destructive things to themselves and destructive things to others. And, and of course, the answer is to love yourself. You need to love yourself. You need to value yourself. You need to esteem yourself. Put the value of yourself as very high. Now, it doesn't matter what others say about you. What matters is what you think about you. And, and that's a common kind of thought out there. People propagate that thought. And as I said, the problem is there's a, an ounce of truth in that. And I think we all know 
there's an ounce of truth in there. But I think we also, yeah, so how does that fit for somebody who's a Christian, who's a believer? See, here's where this doesn't actually work. There's no point saying, well, the world thinks I'm a horrible monster, but I don't care. I love myself. <laughs> that, that just doesn't wash. You, you can only get a sense of self-esteem when the one that you esteem esteems you. Did you get that? I'm going to say that again. You can only get a sense of self-esteem, of value, when the one that you value values you, right? It doesn't, you know, yeah, sure, you've got to value, you know, love others as you love yourself. But the truth is, you can only love yourself as much as the one you love loves you, right? You've got to comprehend that. You have to understand that. We are glory-starved. And he goes on and says this, Paul, as he's riding into this fractious issue, this this problem of broken relationships, he says this, do nothing out of glory starved, do, no, do nothing for, looking to fill up your empty glory tank, is, is what he's saying, but rather in humility value others above yourself. What? Value others? I'm, I'm struggling to value myself. I look at others and I think, wow, they are so much smarter, so much better looking, so much more successful than I am. What is he talking about? In humility, value others above yourself. That's the key. In humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Okay, let's stop and talk about this in a minute because this is really interesting. So he positions, he says, don't be full or, or don't be glory empty, be humble, right? So the opposite of being empty of glory is being humble. Humble is, humility is the counter to being glory start. Humility is a state of being inner full. Humility is being full on the inside, and when you're full on the inside, you, you can look to the interest of others. Did you see that? Don't look to your own interest, but look to the interest of others. You can't do that if you're not full on the inside. Even as you look to the interest of others, what you're really doing is trying to somehow propagate your own sense of empty glory. You see, if you're empty, you're forever looking at yourself. How do I look today? Well, I'm great. I'm great. How am I feeling? How am I feeling today? Oh, I'm happy. Oh, that's good. I'm feeling happy. Today, I'm feeling sad. How are you today? It's all about you. You become obsessed with you. It's the opposite to humility. You're always looking to yourself. Um, Jonathan Edwards, one of the uh, great preachers in, uh, in posterity, he, he, he articulates four things they're opposed to humility. Let me outline them quickly. He says self-consciousness, willfulness, scornfulness, and drivenness. Let me, let me deal with them in reverse order. Drivenness. Now, from time to time, we all work hard, right? And, and from time to time, we're in seasons that require a lot from us. That happens to, to everybody. But if you're a kind of person who can't put it down, 
you know. If you can't turn your back on your work and relax, if you can't have an enter into a Sabbath, then something's gone wrong. Something's going on inside of you. And, and what, um, what uh, Edwards is suggesting is because you lack humility. I'm saying what Paul is suggesting is your glory starved. And you're trying to fill the glory, see. Scornfulness. What's scornfulness? Scornfulness seems to be the habit of social media, doesn't it? Scornfulness is when you put people down, you know. Oh, you're just an idiot. That, that, that's a scornful person. A scornful person is a human being who mocks and belittles people in their world, right? So they have this, this humor that brings people down all the time, and they're, they're always cutting people down. And What are they trying to do? They're trying to fill the glory empty. Right? They, they, the problem is they're empty on the inside, and I get this idea that if I cut you down, that somehow fills up my empty glory. Scornfulness, willfulness, willfulness. The person who is often wrong but never in doubt. You know that person? <laughs> they're often wrong, but they're never in doubt. If someone is always right, if someone can't listen, they can't be told, right? What's going on here? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to fill up my empty glory. And then the last one, that Edwards points to is self-consciousness. And um, one of the ways, which, you know, I'm sure you've all seen this, the way we feel, try to fill our tank, right, the empty glory state of humanity that Paul alludes to here, is um, we keep talking ourselves up, you know. And uh, whatever the numbers are, the numbers are always a little bit higher. How much do you earn? Well, it's a little bit higher than what I actually earn now. You know, I, I'm just a little bit faster than I can actually run or whatever the case may be. You know, when I talk to people, they're always, you know, high up in whatever organization they're in. It's, I'm always speaking myself up and speaking up everything about me. Or another incantation, another manifestation of that is when I'm constantly down on myself, beating myself up. I'm shy. I'm just shy. The problem is it's all about you. <laughs> it's the problem. It, it's just another way of of dealing with the empty glory. Some people deal with it by getting out there and letting everybody know how great they are and how magnificent their, their work is and what a, a, a great human being they are. And the other person, well, they deal with it by, by, by beating themselves up and thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm so useless, I'm hopeless. The problem is both are totally self-absorbed. Again, if I can quote Lewis, um, Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. <laughs> and you can't do that if your glory starved. That's what Paul's pointing to here, right? Kenosis doxa, glory starved. We need to be full of glory. H have you ever been shopping? Have you ever been to the supermarket? I'm sure some of you can attest to this. You go to the supermarket and you're hungry and you buy all kinds of stuff that you didn't need. Anyone ever done that? Right? But when you go to the supermarket and you're full, right, or you walk past the, you know, the, the lolly uh, aisle and you're full, or you walk past the bakery and you're full, you don't have to buy all this stuff to fill you up. You know what I'm talking about? What Paul is saying is do nothing empty. Because when you do, you wind up in disagreement, in disunity. That's what he's saying to us here. Um, 
Paul says the problem is human fight. The reason is the lack of glory they have in their hearts. And then he goes on in this passage and he gives us the solution. Who wants to know the solution? Anybody? Anyone interested? Give me a wave if you're interested. If you're not, have a a nap, that's fine. Uh, (laughs) Because he actually gives us the solution here. And I love the solution. Because the solution's not some kind of psychological solution. It, it's, it's, it's not come so, some kind of, you know, uh, Freudian answer here. No, 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 no. The solution, right, are you ready for this? I said, you never guess what the solution to this problem is. He gives us a theological solution. The solution is the nosebleed high theology of the incarnation. That's the solution to the fighting in your house, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, seriously? (laughs) But but, but this next passage, some of you who've been around church can quote this next passage, but you've possibly never put it into the context as Paul was writing it. You probably didn't recognize that Paul was writing this to solve the issue of fractured relationships as a result of empty glory. Let's read it together, shall we? He says this, in your relationships with one another, he's referring to the problem that he's just outlined, right? Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. This is all about the kenosis of Christ. That's what they call this theologically, right? Yeah, exactly. This is the kenosis of Christ. This is the emptying of Jesus and the filling of you and the filling of me. Let this mindset in Christ be in you. So, so what is it that, that, that Jesus did? Jesus came from a position of height. Jesus was full of glory beyond your imagination. All of heaven worshipped him. He rode above the heavens. Heavens died down. He came from a place of high and he went real low. And then God raised him up. See, rather... He, he, he considered equality with God nothing to be grasped. He is God. But he made himself of, of nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, verse 7, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself to become obedient to death, even the death of the cross. What Paul is saying here is take this incarnation, this action of Christ that happened outside of you and bring it inside of you. This is the issue to the fractured environment in your workplace, the fractured relationships in your family or whatever domain, whatever environment you you wish to define right here. 
He emptied himself. He was full. And we are desperately empty trying to fill ourselves with the glory. He, he was filled with unimaginable glory. Yet he emptied himself voluntarily on our behalf. And on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross, he experienced the eternal sense of being utterly ignored. The father had turned, he was being ignored. C.S. Lewis' definition of hell, he experienced this on the cross. He's emptied himself of all glory, totally ignored by God. <laughs> God finds us now exactly as he found his only begotten son. When God looks upon us, he sees something more precious and more beautiful than the creation of this planet. And some of the parts on this planet are incredible. Some of you have been to some of the most magnificent spots. And there's a whole, you know, um, movement out there to try to protect the planet. Because the planet is beautiful. But what you need to understand is that God will burn the planet with fire, but he will protect you for all eternity. He finds you more valuable than all the jewels in the ground and all the resources on the planet than the very planet itself. You've got to get this inside of you. See, I said earlier that you can only feel value when the one you value values you. This is the advantage that Christians have. This is why it's so important for us to lift the value of God in our hearts. Because as you lift the value of God in your hearts and you understand the value God places on you, you lift your own value in your own heart. You see? How do you fill yourself with glory? You glorify God. Because the more you glorify God, the more you recognize how incredibly wonderful and significant God is. The more you see and understand the price that was paid for you upon the cross. The more you see that God bankrupted heaven to save your soul. The more you comprehend that. The more that gets into your heart. The greater the value you have upon yourself. And the greater the value you place on others. Perhaps the greatest verse of human value that, uh, that has ever been established is that God created us in His image and after His likeness. And the very ones that, that we find ourselves at odds with are also created in the image of God. When we understand the value God places on us and we lift the value that we place on God, we rise with it. We are filled with His glory as we glorify Him. Amazing, isn't it? You should get up every morning and spend the first 10 minutes glorifying God. That's going to fill you with glory. And then you can function in your day, not operating from a glory deficit, right? You, you're, you're, you're way in credit with glory. You can operate from a glory overflow. This has got to happen outside of you. But it's, this, this has happened outside of you, but you've got to get it on the inside of you. You cannot lose the smile of heaven. God smiles upon us, and that is the way that it is. He came from up here. He came down here. And God raised him up again. And the greatest glory that a person ever has 
is the one they can give up to save others. The strongest man is the man who can become weak to save others. The way up is always down. The way to be rich is to give it away. The way to have power is not to lord it or dominate people, but to sacrifice. The way to rule is to serve. But you can't do that. You can't empty yourself out if you're not full of glory. You've got to be full of glory and then empty yourself out for others. But if you try emptying yourself out for others without being full of glory first, you'll destroy yourself. You've got to be full of glory. Do nothing from vain conceit. Do nothing from empty glory. Be full of glory and then empty yourself out. You see, the incarnation was the way that God brought peace to the world, correct? Right. And the incarnation is the way that peace will come to your family. The way that peace will come to your home is for you to be full of glory and then empty yourself out. You can't empty yourself out if you're not full of glory. And you can't fill yourself with glory. You can't validate yourself. You have to be validated by God. You have to allow God's glory to fill you up. And when God's glory fills you up, then you can pour it out. And then God's glory fills you up and you can pour it all out. And then God will exalt you as life goes on. See how that works? The incarnation. The answer is the incarnation. Let me give you one illustration of this. And, and then, then, then we're done. Um, uh, I don't know how many of you have seen the movie The Chariots of Fire. Uh, great movie, great movie. But I, 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 love, I, I love the words of, uh, of Eric Little in response to Harold Abrams. Harold uh, 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 Abrams says this, When the gun goes off, I have 10 seconds to justify myself. <laughs> He's running the 100 meters, right? I have 10 seconds to justify myself, 10 seconds to win, 10 seconds to have success, 10 seconds to fill up my glory because I'm glory starved. I've got 10 seconds to prove to the world that I'm valuable to be here. What a horrible way to live. Eric Little says, God made me fast and when I run, I feel his good pleasure. <laughs> How's that? See, both of them are running, right? Both of them are working. Both of them are doing the same thing. One is coming from a position of glory starved. And I've got to fill up my glory. The other one is coming from a position of glory full. One's running with vain conceit. And he never knows if he's run fast enough. <laughs> And once he wins one race, what happens next time? How many know there's going to come a day? Well, there really comes a day for every athlete when they stop winning. You know, we all know that. You know, I mean, I, I feel a little bit sorry for all these Olympians that have come back and they've won their gold medals and the world is bowing at their feet because we all know there's going to come a day when no one even knows their name. And where do they fill their glory from then? That's when they finish up on drugs. That's when they finish up in, you know, in depression. 
because their glory was filled from this external thing that, 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 that can't last, you know. This poor bloke who has been given 10 seconds to, um, to justify his existence, um, Harold Abrams, uh, unfortunately, perhaps what he didn't realize when he said this was that he probably only has a few more years to just to, to do that. Because <laughs> there comes a time, you know, in your late 20s, early 30s or mid 30s, perhaps at a stretch when you just can't keep up with these young blokes. I don't care how fit you are. <laughs> You, you ain't winning no more. Sorry, you go to the Masters games and you might have a show. <laughs> there comes a time when you're not running a sub ten seconds ever, ever again. Those days are done. And if that's what filled you up with glory, my goodness, you are in horrific situation now. As opposed to the other bloke, as opposed to Eric Lillis, that God has made me fast. And when I run, I, I feel this repression. It's not for me about winning. For me, it's not about filling up my empty glory tank. For me, it's just I'm coming from this place of glory. I'm coming from this place of my maker has made me this way, and I'm simply outworking what the maker has placed in me. And if you can come from that position, if you can fill yourself with glory and then pour yourself out, you can have a life that is filled with peace, joy and contentment that the rest of the world will look at you and scratch their heads and only wish they could because success will not fill the glory gap only for a moment then it will leave you wanting more and it will and eventually you've seen this you, you we've all seen people's lives fall apart as they try to fill their glory gap with success telling yourself that you're wonderful and how much you love yourself there's something hollow about that too, isn't there? In the end, you realize that I'm just kidding myself. But to glorify him and to recognize the value that he has placed on me cannot help but fill your glory tank. And when your glory tank is filled, you become the man or the woman of peace. You become Christ in your situation. And you have the power to pour yourself out for the salvation and for the restoration of others. Can we stand up together? We're going to pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father God, I, I, uh, I know today that we're living in a world that puts incredible expectations on, on young people in particular. But Lord, upon so many, uh, so many people, Lord, feel the pressure to live up to a a certain standard of, of appearance or to a certain level of financial accomplishment uh, or, or to a, a, a uh, Lord, a line of success. And so many of us, Lord, even in, in, in Christendom, even in, even in the church, pursue that, Lord, with a, with a view to being validated by that line, only to get to that line to find that someone shifted the goalposts. <laughs> and so we pursue the next line. And, and, and on it goes, and on it goes, and we find ourselves in this toxic environment. Lord, this morning, I thank you. I thank you that we can rest in you. I thank you, Lord, today that you fill us with your glory as we glorify you. Lord, I thank you today that we can take our eyes off ourselves and place our eyes upon you. 
Lord, that releases us then to consider the needs of others. Lord, that we don't have to be driven by guilt or, or condemnation or emotion to consider those less fortunate than ourselves, but it's a natural overflow of being glory-filled. Just while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed in this room this morning, I, I know this room is filled with people. And when I talk about being ignored, maybe you started to feel that way. Maybe you're getting older. You're, Man, people in the shops, they don't even know I'm here anymore. <laughs> Lord's just ignoring me, and, and it's really n- nagging at you a bit, beating at you a bit. Well, maybe in your family, you, there, there's people and they've turned their back on you. You feel it. And boy, does that stung. It stung. There are very few things that bite as hard and as deep as as not being acknowledged. But this morning, you get the smile of heaven beyond measure. This morning, heaven is open for you, towards you. God's heart is towards you in unmeasurable portions this morning. Turn your eyes to him. And exalt Him and know what He thinks of you. And as you exalt Him and as you move into that understanding of grace, He's going to fill your cup. And you're going to become the man or the woman of peace in your family, in your situation, in your circumstances. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just lay heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And just allowing the Holy Spirit to just apply the words this morning. As we've just opened up the scriptures, maybe God's spoken to you from that passage of um, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. And I'd encourage you to go home and open it up again, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. Read it again so you can see it, get it into your spirit, get it into your heart. But maybe you're in this room this morning and, and you've been really, really going through a rough time. There's been considerable fractiousness in your world. And you're saying to me, John, that sounds all so wonderful. I'm just right now feeling that sense of brokenness. Look, I, 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 I this morning don't want to put something on you that, that you can't carry. And I know that God is here this morning to carry it with you. And, and if you just trust Him and turn your heart to Him and say, you know, I'm going to exalt Him, look. If that's you, just our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If that's you, then just, just give me a wave. Because I, I want to pray for you. I feel God wants to pour his love on you. God bless you. Anyone else? Is there anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? Just give me a wave. God bless you. Father, you see that those, those hands, Lord. And Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that your spirit comes alongside those hands as it were and lifts them. Father God, that those people right now feel the strength of the Holy Spirit to exalt and glorify God in their circumstances. And as they do, Lord, let the glory of your presence fill their heart as they glorify you. Give them the strength right now, I pray, to glorify you in Jesus' name. Lord, I don't care what the devil is saying to them. I don't care what the world is throwing at them right now. Father God, give them the strength to glorify you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just where heads are bowed and eyes are closed. One more question and then we're going to glorify God. 
uh, um, I'm going to get Andrew and his team just to lead us in a song that's going to glorify God, and then the pastor will come and dismiss you. But um, if you're here and you say, well, I don't even understand, Lord. I don't worship God. I don't, you know, I'm not a Jesus person. But I sure know what it is to be empty of glory. I sure know what it is to feel I don't make the mark and I've got to prove myself to be valuable. And if there's another way to live, I want to know about it. There is another way to live. You don't have to live glory empty. You can live glory full. Jesus will bring his glory into your heart by grace. And if that's you and you're in this room right now, uh, I, I couldn't think of a better moment in your life to surrender it to him. Surrender that sense of inadequacy, that sense of I don't meet the, the grade, I, I'm not beautiful enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not sp- whatever it is. Uh, the, the fact that you fall short of the mark. God comes to fill you. You, you transcend the mark because of Christ in you. If that's you, just give me a wave. I'm going to pray for you too. If you're here and, and you need that in your life today, just give me a wave. I'm going to pray for you as well in Jesus' name. If you're here, give me a wave and we'll pray together in Jesus' name. God bless you. Amen. Father God, I just pray this morning as we reach out to you by faith, acknowledging that whilst within ourselves we are not enough, Lord, through you we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Through you, Lord, we can do all things. And so, Father God, I pray this morning that come into that life and that heart in a powerful way in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, folks. Um, thanks, mate. Let's, let's, let's worship God. Andrew's going to lead us. But let's all just glorify God this morning, recognizing he's the God above all gods the creator of the universe, the one whom our soul desires, and he desires you as we worship him. Let's do it together, shall we, in Jesus' name.